Welcome to our latest FinFeed podcast. FinFeed brings you all the latest in market-moving ASX small cap news, as well as interviews with innovative and groundbreaking company leaders and entrepreneurs. Here to speak with us today about how to be human in a world that can try our patience and test our goodwill is Mark LeBusque, a human, a provocateur, author, speaker, coach, mentor, facilitator, and the creator of the 50-day Global Human Motivation Challenge. Mark, thanks for joining us today. What does it mean to you to be human? Hey, thanks, Jonathan, to have me on the podcast. What does it mean to me? Well, interestingly, I've been getting asked this question a lot in the last sort of four or five weeks, and two words come to mind for me on this, and it takes us back to our, I guess, our sort of anthropology and the whole social tribal existence, and that's connection and belonging. And this, this whole idea is to be human, is to, be, to feel that you've got a deep connection with other human beings, and also... Once you build that deep connection, you start to build a strong sense of belonging. Now, that could be tribal as it was back in the, in the good old days, or it could be to your team in your department or in your organisation today. So I think it's the simplicity of what was with us for the whole ages is connection and belonging. Yeah, yeah. Is it harder at the moment to feel that connection and, and belonging to you know, a group, a workplace, a society? Absolutely. I think there's a couple of things here. So if you look at the way we're, you know, we're conducting this and I'm at home and you're at home as well. So it might be easier from a family perspective to build connection and belonging. That might sound a bit weird based on the environment that we're in. I think from a, from a work perspective, mm. an organisational perspective, Jonathan, I think it's, it's a significant challenge at the moment. There's, a, there's been a novelty of the Zoom and the Microsoft Teams and all those things. But from what I'm hearing is people are really starting to miss the, what I call the hates to hates, the human to human, physical, mm-hmm. shake your hand, give you a hug, eyeball to eyeball, sitting across having a coffee in a cafe. And I think that that's the great challenge at the moment is we're, we're losing some of that. But at the same time, on the, on the flip side, I think I know this with my family of you know, adult, sort of adult kids is we're spending a lot more time connecting. In fact, last weekend, mate, we had a paper mache pig making competition for <laughs> 21, 24, 26-year-old with mum and dad. So, wow. <laughs> New skills. Yeah, well, well, old skills reborn again, which is terrific. <laughs> Do you think when we get back to normal that people will still feel a bit guarded or do you think we'll go straight back into, I guess, seeking that human connection? Yeah, look, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting question. There's so many layers on this one. I think that we will look to take the good parts of what's happened out of this. And I think one of the good parts is that we will show more care mm-hmm. for each other. And, and what I mean by that is when we are having conversations about how you're feeling and what's going on for you outside of work and that we'll actually we'll care more about it because we've found that there's been real power in, in doing that. So I think there's, there's that side of it. What does concern me a little bit is that whilst we've brought some humanity in and it's taken a pandemic for us to become more human and to mm. connect, mm. there's also still, and this is a really important one for managers and leaders to think about, there's still the old system that is not going to give up without a fight. It's not going to say, well, I hand over to the humans now to be human in organisations. Mm. It'll start to look at things like, hierarchy and power and all of those things that that I, I think what we're seeing at the moment in some respects have been impediments to organisational success. They will creep back in slowly 
what I'm hoping is that we take some of the old system that is still useful for us and we add in the new things that we've experienced that so we end up with, with something in the middle of where we are today and where, we, where we've come from. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that uh, middle ground actually is. To your background, what has brought you to the point or what brought you to that point where I guess you're looking at how humans behave and, and what guides those humanistic principles? Yeah, I'll go a little bit back into, first of all, I think role models for me as a, as a kid growing up in Mildura, I had some great role models as, as school teachers. So, and I, I think what I learned from them was the value of helping others to learn. So, you know, I did a lot of, even as a young guy, coaching sporting teams and doing some of that sort of stuff. I then went off and did school teaching. And what I learned when I was at school teaching, and we did a unit on psychology and human behaviour, I was just fascinated by, by what went on. So from the age of about 18 through to now in my 50s, even though I had 20-odd years in corporate, what I worked out during the way was that if you could understand the way humans behave more, Mm-hmm. you could then start to make sense of why certain things would happen in, in work and in family and things like that. So I guess I'm a bit of an avid people watcher because I watched other people do it really well. I also did it really badly, mate, when I was a first-time manager because I was trying to climb over the top of people and, and I learned all the bad things to do. So I think we learn not just from the good ones we also learn from the bad ones as well and I think that's all shaped me up to get to a point today where I just think that if we can allow humans to be human at work and to connect and feel a sense of belonging that mm-hmm. and then we combine that with their technical proficiency I think we've we've got a great chance to succeed. Yeah it's, it's, I mean it's interesting you talk about teaching there I did a postgrad year of teaching and I couldn't handle it I was yeah. hopeless at it and I, I'm guessing, you know, you're, you're looking at these kids and you're actually looking at how humans develop not only their communication skills but behaviours, all sorts of skills. And it's, it's interesting that dichotomy yeah. between watching a kid grow up and develop to how humans interact with each other. Well, it's, it's, funny, interact. it's funny, you know, because, you know, I left teaching after a year as well because not because I couldn't handle the, the kids, I actually couldn't handle the staff room. Right. It was full of there were the toxic. Now I think I didn't know what toxic culture was back then. I just felt really bad. But, mm-hmm. you know, I used to feel miserable when I had to walk out of the classroom and into the staff room. And in the end, I just I jumped out. But to your point, what I've seen, and I wrote about this in my second book, is we literally mirror the whole system from education at a young age all the way through to the school system. It's all based around grading people by performance by title, by whatever it is, and forgetting that underneath that is a human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at the period of time that we're in at the moment and the way people are kind of behaving with each other during this pandemic, I mean, what are your thoughts? We are tending to see the best of humanity, the worst of humanity. You know, people are agreeing with each other, people are tearing each other apart because they don't agree with each other. And what are your thoughts on that? And, yeah. And- how we're coming through that. It's weird, you know, because let's think about some of the very best stuff. So singing on the balconies yeah, in Italy. Yeah, yeah. I think the the thing they're doing with the NHS in the UK where they're coming out at night and they're just clapping in the streets, you mm. know, this is this is the stuff that's that we're hardwired to do. This is building connection and belonging as a as a group. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I go to my local supermarket five weeks ago and there's no toilet paper there yeah. all the rice is gone the pasta's gone there are people walking out with trolleys full of stuff mm-hmm. there are people 
congregating on Bondi Beach and doing all this sort of, you know, things yeah. that we've said. And even to now, we're in the in the US, you know, they've got protests with people saying, you won't take away my right to... Yeah. So, you know, I think what it's all driven by is is in some respects fear, particularly the, that those other behaviours, that survival instinct. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we... How do we take the good and the bad out of this? As I sort of said before, Jonathan, I think we've got to be realistic enough to know that we're not going to be walking out in the streets every week clapping NHS or doing those things, but nor are we going to also be hoarding toilet paper in the future. We've got to find somewhere in between this um, that brings us back to learning the lessons we've learnt from something that's been unprecedented Mm -hmm. and taking them forward, but also allowing some some of the old to, to remain as well. I think that's... What's important? I don't think it can go either way. Yeah. I think we're seeing too much of that in politics, mate, where, and even with the politicians at the moment agreeing more, which is terrific to see, but, Mm -hmm. you know, at some point in time, they're going to break away a little bit more and go back to how they were. And I think we'll see a bit of that too. Yeah, I think we did with Malcolm Turnbull releasing his book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you know, geez, I'll tell you what, it's what a time to release it as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to your point on unprecedented events and, and, and the good in humanity, we, we've just, you know, we came out of the bushfires that were just ripped this country apart and everybody banded together. You know, there wasn't one person, I think, in, the, in this country that was critical other than of Scott Morrison shaking hands with people but you know everybody seemed to be to be galvanized and, and together and then this has happened and it's like the crevices and the cracks have, have, have appeared again mm. uh, so going to your point it's just that yeah we came out of a period where everybody was together everybody was communicating well and, and being friendly to each other but yeah i guess it took a, an event like this to yeah tear it's, it all apart again it's sort of, I guess it goes back again to that survival instinct. And, and, you know, even though, like, I wasn't personally affected by bushfires, mm. but the empathy that you have and, and the generosity to, to donate and do those things and, and really feel for those people. And yeah. it's sort of weird now because all of that's disappeared. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, oh, you know, we don't talk about those things. The other one that's interesting to me, and I know there was a, a shocking incident in Canada just in the last couple of days, but like terrorism's gone out of the papers as well. Yes, yeah. um, and so there's this, now there's this focus on this new thing. Now, I think back to the bushfires and, and as they're going on, there's, you know, there's people just literally trying to survive and there's other people watching on trying to help them. I think what's happened in the pandemic mm-hmm. is that everyone's just gone into survival mode and it's like, yeah. let's get as much toilet paper as we can, let's get as much rice and let's get all the things that we can to survive ourselves without mm-hmm. thinking about others. But as it's sort of gone on a bit further, Mm-hmm. we're starting to see that people are caring a bit more for each other as well. But, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of weird, I think, this, that what is, why does it take, what does it take disasters, pandemics, whatever, for us to actually step into our humanity? It's, it's a crazy thing that we seem to operate in another way yeah. until something like this happens and then we can see the best and the worst, but more so the best. Yeah, yeah. So what's the answer to that question? Oh, geez, I shouldn't have set myself up for this, should I? The answer to that question is that, look, I think it's as simple as this, is that if we strip everything back, Mm. we start as human beings, like where I started, what it is it to be human? We Mm. want to have deep connection. Yeah. We want to have connection to ourselves, to our families, to our friends, to our work colleagues, to Mm. our communities. Mm. And when we get that, we then feel a sense of our part in that thing, so our, our belonging. And 
Yeah. Like for us to truly win out of all of this horrific stuff that's been going on, bushfires and the, the pandemic is mm-hmm. we've actually got to stop now and go, how do we bring more of this connection and belonging into yeah. into our world? And I think, yeah. you know, but this is the other thing, mate, at the moment, as we talked before about exercise, mm. lots of things have had to stop right now and we've all had to slow down. Yeah. What I'm hoping is we find that the value of slowing down and stopping and reflecting, if it's for 10 minutes a day, yeah. will help us when we get to back to the, the manic business unusual, as I call it, when we get back there, that we won't mm-hmm. just go straight back into survival of the fittest and yeah. the technical and the profits and my KPIs. And profits, they're all important, those things. But mm-hmm. what I worked out when I was working with my last team was if I cared more for my people, built connection and belonging, our profits went through the roof. So yeah. there's another way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And just now focusing on that on the workplace, I mean, everybody's got it tough at the moment. People are getting laid off. Managers have to lay those people off and, you know, they're taking pay cuts as, as well. They might not be in as bad a position as those who are now unemployed, but they're still doing it tougher than they were doing it. How do those leaders rise up in that situation and not only, I guess, steer the company or steer a company through, through these particular times, but help it to come out the other side in a better way? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm actually thinking already about some organisations that are doing it well and maybe some that aren't and thinking about the leadership in there. The first thing is is, is they've got to actually look back at themselves and go, I'm, I'm part of this as well, I'm going through this and I'm going to have... So, so just accept that you're human too and that you don't have to be the saviour and the, the strong one all the time, but you, you know, you've got to feel into it yourself as well. So I think there's a bit on in raising their self-awareness. Yeah. certainly the most important thing I reckon is what I've seen with the good ones is going first. And what I mean by that is like some of the organisations at that C-suite level have just gone, you know, we're going to forego so much salary straight away before we expect you to do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it ourselves. And even that gesture, I think, starts to build some sort of social trust and social capital with, with mm-hmm. people. Tell people the truth, even if it's bad news. I can't, you can't stress this one enough. Human beings have the greatest bullshit detectors in the world, mm-hmm. all right? I hope, yep. I hope it's all right if I say that. But, no, fine. But, yep. but so even when it's going to be bad news and we tend to try and water it down or soften it, I think we've just got to tell it. And I've seen lots of – I did some work um, with people at the AFL a, a few months ago and, you know, They've had, a real, they've had a bad day. We had to lay 80-odd percent of the people off. But the one thing I've heard back from there is people have been like, you've, at least you've told us the truth. Yeah. So yeah. things like that, I think, are important. And try and keep it as simple as you can. Like, mm-hmm. don't try and overcomplicate it with big words and corporate jargon and all that sort of stuff. Just mm-hmm. keep the message simple. And then the last thing I'd say is be not just checking in on the people that have departed but you've got to be checking in on the people that are still there. Yeah. Sometimes we think that the people that are still there will be okay because they've still got a job, but mm-hmm. they've still got fears and things going on. So equal amount of time in connecting people who have gone and people who are still there I think is really critical as well. Yeah, yeah. You talk a lot about simplicity and practicality. What does that actually mean and, and is it difficult to implement and how do you go about, I guess, introducing that into an organisation? Yeah, look, it is. We have become romance with complexity and this whole idea. I've got this sense that because we 
ambitious creatures as well and we're goal setters and things is that we're all trying to maybe split that next atom or work out the next big way to do something and and what we've again lost touch with is that if we take it back to the human level that there's simple and practical things that we've done as a species over many many years that are, that are still relevant for us today yeah. and you know if some of these words don't get used a lot in the corp space but i'm going to say we should and i hope after COVID-19, we use them some more, mm. is things like curiosity, is mm. becoming more curious rather than here's the answer because I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Curious to what others' perspectives are, I think is really important. But there's some other ones which I have in my 50-day humanization challenge, which are thankfulness. Now, let's be more thankful, thank people and receive thanks. Helpfulness is another big one for me. So it's these aren't big things. Yeah. They're not but they get us back to the simplicity of connection and belonging. And the other one I want to throw in here is fun. Yeah. And I know it doesn't feel like a fun time at the moment for people, but mm-hmm. we've got to find ways to be creative at the moment to have fun. Like, you know, I mentioned the paper mache situation. You know, I've heard other people, I've just been coaching someone who, you know, they had a, the, what was it, the beautiful, the most beautiful pet competition at their last meeting and they all had a bit of, Bit of fun. Now, they're, they're all struggling with what's going on, but they've just tried to inject a bit of fun. So simple and practical goes back to behavioural stuff. Yeah. I think that's in these times we need to embrace that a bit more, knowing full well that we won't stay there for the whole time when we go back to wherever we go. But let's combine some of that in with strategies and, you know, the five-year plans and all those things that we've got to do. Yeah. It's interesting when you say being, you know, giving thanks and that, that, that to me is, I guess, for manners. Have manners been lost? Have we lost our manners to a degree? I think that manners have taken a backseat to our ambitions and our drive and our desire to get to a certain point. And, and I think, you know, if I think about when I was a bad manager, some of the role models and the leaders that we've followed have have acted in a way that we're mirroring. And, mm. and if that's going to get me to where I want to get to, mm-hmm. some of the other things I'm going to have to let go of, which is thankfulness, helpfulness, doing that sort of stuff. So, mm. you know what, they're always there, Jonathan. It's just yeah. that we see, if we see a faster track to success, yeah. I think we put these things aside at the moment because everyone's had to slow down. There's yeah. no fast track to success right now. Yeah. What are we starting to kick into? Care, fun, thankfulness, helpfulness, connection, belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of whether there's a secret to organisational success, I mean, going by what you said, I would say that, no, it's just a matter of implementing the things that we've just discussed. Yeah, look, this was a great question. I actually spent a bit of time on this one. I think the first one for me, if you're thinking about org success and whether it's pandemic times or pre or post, is the first mm-hmm. one is you've got to walk your talk. Yeah. Like, and I know this word, get, they get thrown around those words, but if you're going to start to talk about caring more and being more thankful and helpful and, and all that, you better start to show that you're going to do it if you're a manager. The second one is we need to value every human's perspective, mm-hmm. regardless of hierarchy, title, years of service, department. It might just be the person's perspective that is somewhere down the food chain that is the one that changes the success of an organisation. So we need to do that. I can also say we need to continually challenge each other to step out of our comfort zones and, you know, learn new things and and also be challenged by others because, you know, it wasn't into the human stuff, mate. This isn't kumbaya unicorns walking down the hallway and throwing rose petals out in front of each other. 
And this is what brings me to my last point is I like to call it purposeful provocation. We need to step into provoking each other with purpose so that, you know, we're not having group think meetings where we're just all agreeing and then walking out to the water cooler and having another meeting. We're mm-hmm. in a point in time where you're actually having healthy conflict. Mm-hmm. And I think if, you know, if managers can, can get their people to engage, because it's not just the manager's job, by the way. Everyone mm-hmm. should be involved, but the manager is the one who enables yes. everybody else to, yep. to join in the success, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in meetings, and I guess you have too, where you start them with good intentions and, and trying to, you know, get everybody involved and, and have their opinions, but they devolve into angry discussions. How can a manager or a leader keep control of that situation, keep the meeting civil, and come out of the end of that meeting with, you know, solutions or at least the confidence in a team to move forward with a strategy? Yeah, I reckon the first thing is it, it, it starts before the meeting. It starts with creating a clear and agreed set of boundaries mm-hmm. for how we're going to how we're going to choose to be, how we're going to conduct ourselves. Not so much on the work we've got to do; that's still important. Mm-hmm. But like in this meeting, it's not okay to be shutting people down all the time. It's not yeah. okay to be thinking you're the smartest person in the room. So I think the role of the manager there is is to facilitate a conversation around creating that those boundaries. I think that's really important. And yep. then I'm going to say this, this again, I say it quite regularly to my clients is you've got to go first. If you're the manager, you've got to demonstrate that you are living what you've agreed to. I think that's a, that's a really important thing. And the other thing is, you, know, you hear it a lot that no questions are dumb questions. It's all the, it's all the simple stuff. Again, it's like, you know, if someone, if someone has a perspective and your perspective is totally at, at odds to that, Mm-hmm. At least hear it without saying, yeah, but that's wrong. Yep. Because it's all those little, what I call moments of madness, Jonathan, in those meetings, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people who are in the room but aren't in the room. Yeah, yep. They're on their devices and whatever else they might be. So yep. little moments of madness that create division. I think the role of not just the manager but the team is at the time that they see that stuff is to go, hey, that's not how we do things around here. Yeah. Yep. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. In one of your books, Being Human, you've got the seven steps that tra- transforms your management effectiveness, key skills that drive employee engagement and business results, and six management styles that can massively impact, influence, and change employer relationships. So assuming that we apply everything that we've just spoken about, what are these steps, skills, yep. styles that we should be aware of? Yeah, okay. So let me, let me start by... This, what, what I've created in the end came from a question I asked myself back when I was in a role as a, as a senior sales director. And the question was, what would happen if I treated my people more like human beings? And so literally on an A3 sheet of paper, I sketched something out. And, and the, first, the first thing that came to mind for me was, was it started with trust. Right. So this was really challenging. And I know this may challenge people listening to this was that, I actually had to change my mindset on trust and I changed it to just trust implicitly, to trust that people came to work to do good work, mm-hmm. to help the organisation get to somewhere. Whereas I used to think you have to demonstrate to me you're good at what you do and then I'll trust you. So mm-hmm. that was the hardest of the steps. Once we determined what we called our trust killers as, as a group, like what things would, would really kill trust with, with each of us so mm-hmm. we could get a good feeling of that, Mm-hmm. Then we started talking about things like let's create a safe space to challenge each other, to experiment, 
and to do what I call I call it humanivate or humanization is to is to talk about how we're going to choose to be as in behave rather than just what what we're going to do so if you're a good manager you're going to create a safety net if you can imagine this that if your people fail on something they'll drop into the net yeah you might have to pick them up and tell them hey don't do that again mm. or you might say hey have another go with try it like this but Create that safety net, I think, is important. Listening and learning to your people. Step four in my book is about knowing the human being first. So, you know, we've already talked a bit today. I know you've got a daughter. She's in another room there. I know that you like to go to, you'd like to work out. You, you take your dog out for a walk. That stuff's important to yeah. know that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I'm going to say is you've got to actually set pretty high expectations for your people. Is, and it's not about stretch targets that are unattainable. It's like, here's what I expect your behaviour to be. Here's mm-hmm. what we expect from your work. And we're going to have to work hard to get there. It's not like we're all going to just make it easy. And the ability to what I do practice the art of duality, which is hugging people right. and kicking them in the ass at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something that... And then if you think of the styles, mate, just quickly, there's superhuman, there's human... There's a pushover, there's robotic, there's a tyrant, and there's also subhuman. Now, the first five, what I say is you've got to have the agility and the adaptability to move from one to the other at any point in time. So, so let me give the pandemic as an example. We have had to become superhuman, which means when this crisis hit, people had to work longer hours than usual just to survive, all right, yeah. to keep businesses afloat. But you wouldn't want to do that forever because you'd burn out. So... So you're able to step into superhuman for a short period of time, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the same thing with, say, let's say a tyrant. If you're in a business where people are just cruising along and they think that they've got no competition and that sometimes you need a tyrant to come in and shake the place up a little bit, but yeah. you don't leave them there forever. So my point here in, this, in the seven steps and the six styles of management is just become really aware about what style you need to play at a particular time. Mm-hmm. But apart from the human one, don't stay in too many of the others for too long or you'll end up with disengaged employees. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just thinking how, how you would know at what point change into those different frames. Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting. I, run, I actually run this activity in my two-day workshop. The humans who come along invariably know they actually. They, all I say is they feel it. They feel at that time they should do it, but but something stops them. Mm-hmm. It's like I've got to be. I can't become the tyrant because no one's going to like me then. Mm-hmm. Or you know, if I'm the superhuman, then after a period of time, it's going to put impact. It's going to impact on me at home or whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. it's not so much. I'm going to say this one is more of a. a just a, it's a snap time. It's a moment yeah. in time where you've got to go. Hey, you know what? I need to go and do that now because we've only got three weeks to do this piece of work. It's not like you don't read this in a, you don't go to MBA school and read this in a book. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost an intuitive thing that happens below the neck. Now, that might not be useful for people who are very logical thinkers, but if you feel it, I think you've got to, I'm a big gut feel guy. So if yeah. you feel it, you should go with it. Yeah, yeah. I guess speaking of feeling, I mean, all of this relates to being empathetic in some sort of way. So I'm guessing, you know, empathy is high up on the list of being a decent manager. Yep. Yeah, I've got that written down here, actually. I was thinking about, and this is one of the things we've got to be careful of as managers. Mm. And I know I used to fall for it is I used to confuse empathy with sympathy. Right. So this whole idea of telling people you feel sorry for them 
Mm. Is it the easier thing to do than having the conversation around, hey, you know what, I feel for what you're going through at the moment and we're going to support you through that. Mm -hmm. But there's also got to be a pathway out as well. And so I think empathy, particularly at the moment, like, you know, there are people going through some things that I've never been through. And then that, you know, so you can't tell them you know how they feel. Yeah. But what you can tell them is I'm here to listen to you. I'm here for you to be heard and I'll do whatever I can to help you. Mm -hmm. Whether that's just a phone call every now and again or you want, you know, something more than that. But telling people you know how they feel puts them off and then starting to tell people that you feel sorry for them, Mm -hmm. I think puts them off more. So, yeah, I think empathy is quite important skill to be practising at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So when all this is over and we're back at work and in our workplaces and dealing with people that are two feet away from us, do you think that we will be more empathetic towards each other? I think some of us will. See, this is the interesting thing. We didn't all go into the pandemic at the same level of showing the same level of empathy or, you know, humanity or connection or whatever. So some people at the moment will actually be thriving and loving this and they'll just go back to business as usual as in the human side of things. Yeah. Others have been dragged a bit kicking and screaming from their technical prowess. And so they might have only moved a little bit. But I'm going to say this that's still a great outcome. Mm-hmm. And some people will still drift back to where they were before, but we shouldn't become, particularly as a manager, again, you shouldn't become too judgmental on yourself or your people. You should be thinking about where did, where's my starting point mm-hmm. and where did I get to? Did I, did I make some progress? That's a good thing. Can I keep that? Yes, I can. That's a good thing as well. Don't be too hard on yourself or your people because, you know, we're both two different human beings who go about things in different ways and I can't say that I'm better at it than you. That's why I'm getting a bit sick of people comparing, you know, how countries are going with the pandemic. It's not yeah. a freaking competition. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. some companies, countries have got better medical facilities and plans and, mm-hmm. and we're better prepared for it. We shouldn't turn this into we did better or you did better at empathy or sympathy or whatever. It's just like just get to where you can yeah, yeah. So, Mark, just finally, as managers, as leaders, as human beings, what can we take out of this situation about how we deal with our friends and our relatives, our partners, our colleagues, our employees? What do we learn from all of this and, and how, do we, how do we move forward? Okay, lovely way to finish off. So let me take you back to the start, what it is to be human, Jonathan, and it's like mm. we should learn that we're all human first. Let's strip the titles out and all of those other things and and, and all that and just go, we crave connection and we crave belonging. Mm -hmm. Now, for when we've been separated from our work colleagues, we should really imagine what that first moment is going to be like when we get back to hanging out with each other and, and, you know, cherish that moment and learn that the things we take for granted, we took for granted six weeks ago, we shouldn't take for granted. We should slow down is the second one. Yeah. Just slow ourselves down a bit to... To notice things that I'm noticing these days walking around the streets that I never saw before. We should be thankful to ourselves and others. We should be helpful. We should show care. And I, I'm going to finish with this one. And it's the piece about let's just go back and have some fun. Yeah. Good old human fun, get some laughter going, the oxytocin flowing through our bodies and, and you know, connecting again at, at a very human level. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, let's hope. Well, there's some good, you know, hopefully there's there's talk about three weeks here in Victoria that, you know, we might be 
you know, taking some of these restrictions down, which I'm, as a, as a very social creature, I'm crossing my fingers and toes, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, thanks for your time. It's been, been great to talk to you. And yeah, hopefully we can catch up again sometime. Mate, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Excellent, right. Mm-hmm.